Matt, two important topics to start off today. Yes. First, I want to sensitively delve into the world of politics. But <laughs> but we're not going to talk about American politics, which, as we oh, know, excellent. is crazy. What we're going to talk about uh, is a whole other country because I like to learn about like you know the craziness going on in other parts of the world because it makes me just feel better about where I live. So this week <laughs> on the uh, software defined in the software defined talk Slack, um, it's like we have like a segment of like Australians, APAC people, right? And My like people. this topic of like how the internet sucks in Australia came oh. up, right? It was just like everyone hates the internet in Australia. And then there were like all these political reasons about like like something was done in the past that was supposed to be good, but it did it wasn't good, and now you guys are stuck with bad internet. So uh um, like number it, number sixty eight with a bullet. Right. And I, I think to myself, like, I don't think of the US as having great internet, but like actually it's it's not bad, at least where I live here in Austin. I mean we just don't yeah. what we have is very limited choice. So so explain to the world, you know, uh everyone that does live in Australia, like why is the internet so bad in Australia? What is going on over there? Well, you might think, oh, well, it's it's a big country. It's hard to wire things up. Uh, that's the excuse. No, that's a terrible excuse. Right. So, um, like, you might not know this, but Australia is actually one of the most urban countries in the world because nobody lives in most of it, right? Uh, everybody lives on the edges, you know, Sydney, Perth, you know, Melbourne. Um, that's where all the people are. Uh, you know, whatever, Victoria. Um, but this so there, this is part of the the discussion I like because often, oh, yeah. too, like this in the Slack discussions because as everyone's in Australia, it happens overnight. So I just get up in the morning. I was like, <laughs> "What is going on?" But like somebody yeah. came in with like, "It's a big country," and that was immediately struck down because oh, everyone yeah. said, yeah. "No, actually," because and then people will say, "Well, you know, Singapore has great internet because it's so dense," and then some. People from Australia, I assume Australian citizens or at least people that live there, uh, were like making the case of like, no, we're to what you just said. Australia is very urban, so it should be a very similar situation. Most of the people yeah. are in the same area. Everyone should have super fast uh, internet. But so what we happened? Uh, so so about uh, what, five years ago or so, um, six years ago, the uh, the party that was kind of. Uh, had their the coalition government, um, the Labour Party, you know, kind of the, the left side of, of the politics. Um, they had a, a, a prime minister who uh, his big thing was we're going to get Australia high speed Internet. And we have this thing called the National Broadband Network, NBN. And we're going to have you know fiber to the home. And Australia is going to you know, leapfrog out of the dark ages because, you know, our, our major telco here, we, we were like, you know, we have an AT&T. We never got broken up. Okay. And, and so, so like we have major telco and they're like, we're going to have this national initiative and we're going to have fiber to the home and it's going to be awesome. And so, you know, they, the political machine starts getting behind the industry and then change parties. Right. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to say, before you go on, I was going to say, before you go on, like the pitch you just made right there, I'm a hundred percent on board. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know the names right. of the parties in Australia. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm voting for that guy. Now tell us what That's happened. Exactly. Exactly. I'm a single party voter, right? Or single single party, issue. Or single, single I'm, voter. A, yeah. I'm a one issue Australian voter. High speed fiber <laughs> to the home. That's all I care about. Yeah, well, and, and chances are good being Australian. That's that's a political party already. <laughs> uh, so 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 they. Uh, what happened was there was an election, and the new guy was like, "No, no, no, no. Oh. That was Labor's thing. Okay. We're against it." And people were like, "But." You're the pro-business party, you know, the, the liberal party. You know, you're you're in favor of these things. And then it was like, well, that was their thing. We're going to let the market sort it out. It's like, you can't let the market sort it out. It's a monopoly. But right? was it we one of these situations where it was actually already like half built? Because that's oh, the yeah. best, it's, right? Where it's like, guys, we have the fiber to the terminant on the street corners, but we're just not going to take it to the house. And you're like, that's, uh, that's yeah, not good. Just, so, so some – suburbs and neighborhoods have it. This is like Google Fiber rollout, right? You yeah. Know, you're like, oh, it's coming. It's I can coming. see the mess. No, it's not coming. Let me <laughs> tell you, let me give you guys an update on Google Fiber. It's not coming. In Austin, I've been here five, six years at this house. Nothing. Not even an emailer. I'm Go on. on yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, the NBN kind of had this political setback where they, they slowed the rollout. And, yeah. Um, and, and so, Sorry, getting interrupted here. Um, 
<clears throat> so they they had the the rollout and and now it's kind of like slow delayed like four years. Oh, yeah. now now like I, my last time I moved, I got NBN uh-huh. and I've got uh, I've got NBN hundred, which is hundred megabit. That's pretty right? good. That's legit. Well, yeah, you know, I do the speed test and it says you know your internet is faster than ninety nine percent of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Always grading on the curve. Always grading on the curve. I like it. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're big on curves. And, and so you know, it's like I've got NBN hundred, and it's a little flaky. There's outages all the time. Makes the newspaper, um, but it's not fiber to the home. It's fiber to the cable yeah. box, yeah. and and you know, I've got the fastest NBN you can get. Yeah. And they're 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 trying to finish this rollout now, and then meanwhile, you look at like you know. Korea and Singapore and you know New Zealand and you know countries that are evidently so the Netherlands on uh Cote's reporting yeah, is very yeah. good and, and and so they're they're like you know they're talking about like you know thousand megabit or you know gigabit and two gigabit and three gigabit and meanwhile Australia's like we've almost got a hundred megabit to eighty percent <laughs> of the population. But so are they just, did they just stop then? The project is like, it's just going to be terminate. Like, it's just, you just don't know. It's a Google fiber well, situation. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Now they're like, well, 5G will save us. Oh, um, 5G. And so, so 5G is like the new political hot potato of like, you know, well, you know, clearly uh, Australia's largest trading partner and number one source of defense is going to be the provider of, uh, of, of our, you know, we're, we're all in on Huawei, <laughs> which, you know, you can't have in the U.S., Oh, that's and, right. Oh, uh, so everyone's going to be spying on you. All your stuff's oh, going to be spied uh, on. Yeah. We're spied on left, right, and central here. So, But if you got uh, really fast internet, that'd be a decent trade-off. You'd be like, you know, <laughs> all right. I was yeah, like... Benjamin Franklin's spinning in his grave. He's like, you know, those who will trade their uh, their high-speed internet for, for privacy. You know. God, I would. What I would do for one gigabit. <laughs> I don't know. I'd give up a lot. Well, what do you have? What do you have? You probably got like... We can. I, I can. Like, I actually can. Get, I don't pay for it just because I don't know what to use it. But we can get, uh, get up to a gigabit uh, at home now. But I don't. I I don't have it. People have told me. Uh, you know, I, I found one of, actually Patrick Hubbard, uh, one of our our head geek over at Solar Waves. He's, he's got it. He's not too far from us. He's got it running. Uh, and he, he, you know, he he of course because he works at Solar Waves, he's got all the advanced networking tools. So he said he not only does he have it, but he measured it out. So that was the last Ooh. report. Northwest Austin, we're getting one gig if you want it. If you need it, I don't know what you're doing, but like you just want it. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like like my MBN. Uh, I, I think I've got a bundle, but I don't use TV or cable. You know, I don't use cable or phone and it's, it's 80 Australian a month. Okay. So six, 60 us. That's, right? That seems reasonable. That doesn't seem yeah. too crazy to me. And that's, but that's as fast as I can get. <laughs> so I think we could <laughs> summarize. I was going yeah. to say we should summarize then. Like we, we've come to the definitive, uh, uh, like this is going to be like a weed segment. We have figured out the definitive policy on internet. I'll use it. You either have to either go full-blown capitalism, meaning anybody that wants to can dig a trench to anywhere and, yeah. and, get, and get to any place that you want. Because as soon as you uh, like start to regulate that, it, it, that's when you, don't, you only get one provider. So like the situation I'm in and most of the U.S. is in, like we just have one cable company or one provider to the houses. And yeah. it's very hard to get like right of way. And you can't just dig another trench, right? You know, this is the whole problem Google's having. And of course, it's expensive. Yeah. So I think if you're going to go full-blown capitalism, it's like anybody, literally anyone can just walk up with a shovel and be like, hey, I'm just, I'm just digging, I'm digging fiber right here. And it's happening. <laughs> and they maybe have like 50 people doing it, but like, okay, at least you're getting fiber to the home. Or yeah. you have to go full-blown national, uh, nationalized system where it sounds like Singapore, the Netherlands, all these places where it's just like, hey, we're paying for it through your taxes. Uh, suck it up. You may, you're just going to have to pay more, well, but everyone's getting really yeah. fast uh, fiber to the home. And, and, and that, that's kind of like the, the NBN model is they're providing a nationalized backend service, but they're on top of Telstra's cable and backlines. And so what you have is like, you know, people competing on selling Telstra's products mm-hmm. as well as competing against Telstra. Right. The MVNOs, the virtual network guys or something yeah, where they don't yeah. really. Well, I've seen that too, where someone's just like, hey, we're going to all lay down the fiber, but then you can pick for these different providers. Right. That's another yeah, uh, but yeah. we all use the same cable. Again, I'm okay with that too. But that's sort of, I guess that would be the third approach. Like somebody yeah, pays the for hybrid. the, the yeah. hybrid one. 
Yeah. I don't know. It seems like, but you know, the, the, the thing about fiber to the home, you know what the hard part is? The home. It's always like the fiber is <laughs> always not far from you, but it's never to your house. That's what I, everybody that talks about this is like, it's actually not far. It's just down here. The central office line is, it's just a couple blocks down. And it's like, it's why don't we just, house. why don't we just keep going guys? Like, I know it's expensive, <laughs> but we pay so much money. I, this is the one place where I do feel like we just pay so much money and all these fees. It feels like for sure. For sure, we should, like, the return on investment seems, like, obvious to me. I don't know. But, again, again, you've made this point many times. Everyone keeps making the claim 5G. And I think we're, are we the first podcast? We're probably the only podcast predicting that 5G will under-deliver and we will all be very depressed <laughs> about it. Is anyone else saying that? Everyone else is talking about how fast it'll be. It's like, to me, it will only be fast in this lab in Hawaii. Everywhere else in the world, it'll be pretty slow. It, it, it's going to be just as fast as Google Fiber. <laughs> That's great. That's right. Uh, all right. Well, the other thing we should we should touch on briefly because maybe people have heard in the background. So your son is maybe you know he's outside. He's trying his uh, his basketball skills. But um, why will you not buy your son a basketball hoop? <laughs> like playing basketball without a hoop seems uh, it, it seems very boring to me actually. Well, um, so so I'm renting, and uh, my my house is a uh, three three stories on a hill, so we don't have a lot of yard space. And so he, my, my, my nine-year-old likes to, to go out on our, our back uh, deck and bounce the basketball while listening to audiobooks on his Bluetooth headset. And he just dribbles back and forth on the deck, like right <laughs> above my office. You know, so it's, uh, it's a little loud. Um, and he, he thankfully seems to have stopped. Uh, but yeah. We don't know. It could happen. Well, that's fantastic. He's you know, clearly you know, going to be a podcast podcaster later in life he's already taken to the audio book not music the books already i mean nine that's i think that's pretty young i I think that i like it though did you have any uh, mixed feelings there were you like hey uh the teacher said you maybe should read more you like are you like you should he's a voracious reader too oh okay so he does he does both right and uh really the key is to keep him off the youtube yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's uh, that describes every parent with a child under ten, or maybe even older. I don't know. It's just like they always want to be on YouTube and they always want to watch the worst videos ever made. Yes, yes. So, so yeah. Uh, my uh, my my advice as a, as a parent is uh, one: you have to call it the YouTube now that you're a parent, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> stay off and the two, YouTube. It's like, uh, find every sort of parental controls you can turn on and turn them on, but it's still not going to be good enough. That's like YouTube is, is like it's a cesspool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although I think we should, you know, sometimes we we talk about the youth of tomorrow, like we're doing. But it sounds like your son's a voracious reader. I'll say my son, he uh, has found a way. Like he's got himself a little like after school job. He works in the library, uh, and he sh- because he doesn't, it gets him out of the classroom. And he likes. To, he came home one day. He's like, he's like, I just love to shelve books. That's what he said. He said. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, I love to shell books. And he's in there. So so I don't know. I mean, these kids, uh, at least in I, two cases, we could say, like, they're still getting exposure to books. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know how. But almost by accident, it's happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the problem, though, is is your son's uh, after-school job is first in line for automation. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, he did tell me they did their first. Uh, uh, they're using Google Slides, you know. And, and the other yep. night, day he came in. He got up early. He's like, "Dad, guess what I did this morning?" I was like, "I don't know. Watch YouTube, right?" And he's like, "No." He's like, "He's like, I uh, I edited the slides for the presentation later today." And I was like, "He's like, yeah, we didn't have time to do it, so I did it this morning." I was like, "You, my friend, you, you're on the path to greatness. That's yeah. that right now. From just right from uh, second grade, just gonna slide you right into McKinsey." Don't I think no. I don't even think we need more school. Just get in there. We we, we should form some sort of a nine year old consultants group where <laughs> you know they can get together and, and my son can talk about he has opinions about keynote versus PowerPoint versus Google Slides. I bet you he does the other day because when they, they were doing the presentation, you know, the uh what is it, the Chromebook, like it froze up for a minute. And I was mm. just like, guys, we've all been here. Like this. This I this is the first time I was at the school where I was like I relate to this like I'm like you know what? yeah I like I feel good I was like guys don't worry about it let it come through and they were sort of like you know they were they were they were not gentle to the Google Chromebook and then <laughs> I know why I know why the Chromebooks are very inexpensive now I was like yeah this is not good and so they uh, clicked through it and they got it going again though they got their animations so everything worked out it was a good presentation that that is the most real world thing they probably learned in school all month. <laughs> Well, you did. Like, you just look back on it. You're like, ah, it was great. All right, Matt. Well, listen, 
you know, maybe your Google Chrome slide, your Google Slides isn't uh, freezing up, but maybe maybe you've got some other issues. Maybe you've got a lot of data and, and things that you, uh, you need to log and, and find stuff. Like, you, you have any solutions that maybe someone could use to, to solve those I problems? Do. Yes, yes. So this episode of uh, Software Defined Talk is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their DevOps tools, Paper Trail. Diagnosing an app error, sudden spike in event messages, or a cu- customer service ticket. Get to the root cause fast using Paper Trail, a powerful cloud-based log management tool designed for engineers by engineers. With Paper Trail, you can streamline troubleshooting with Live Tail to see events in real time or search through hours of logs in a few seconds. An event flow visualization lets you spot patterns and trends and pick out anomalies. You can select the trouble spot on the graph and instantly jump to those events. As you work, you can save searches and create alerts without leaving the event viewer. And there's nothing to install or set up so you can be up and running in minutes. To learn more or to try SolarWinds Paper Trail for free for 14 days, go to papertrailapp.com slash SDT, all lowercase, and make troubleshooting fun again. Once again, that's SolarWinds Paper Trail. And of course, we thank uh, SolarWinds for being such a great sponsor. And uh, as an additional plug, we all, I also recommend uh, live close to a SolarWinds head geek like I do and let them uh, work out all the networking issues with your cable provider. <laughs> That's another added benefit. I don't think you can buy that. That just happens. <laughs> so thank you. It, Check it out, though. That's what makes them such a great company. That's they hire right. people close to me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Check it out. All right. Well, we got a lot of news. Lots of interesting random things happened this week. I thought the the one that was kind of like most interesting to, to our world was uh, Dell. Of course, there was Dell World. And of course, Kote is not on. So we'll just be able to talk and say whatever we want, which is fantastic. So... Dell Technologies, of course, you know, the minority owner uh, <clears throat> of VMware has uh, officially announced an expanded partnership with Microsoft. And the net net yeah. of this is that you will be able to uh, take your VM VMs from VMware and run them in Microsoft. Dell's long game is in the high. Uh, and run them in Microsoft Azure as, uh, as Matt Ray is literally opening up the links and, and letting us know. <laughs> <laughs> so... So the reason, uh, uh, so I think it's interesting, right? Because a couple reasons. So one is definitely a, a change in tune, right? So just a couple of years ago, I guess everybody uh, was all mad. They were mad at each other, but now they've come come together. And of course, VMware, as far as I can tell, uh, I have seen. I've now seen the v, VMware CEO. I think on like every stage with every uh, every cloud, cloud right? Cloud, right? <laughs> AWS. Well, at least AWS. Google Cloud, although it may not have been the CEO. Now that I say it, it may have been like their VP of business development at Google Cloud, but I've definitely seen the CEO of VMware on AWS and Azure. So uh, what's your take on this? Like, wh- why do you think they're doing this? Well, you know, they, they didn't have to send their, their CEO uh, on stage at Google because they, they had a mole, right? They, they, put, uh, <laughs> they, they implanted their own CEO for Google Cloud, but uh, uh, she's gone now. Uh, yes, so uh, probably there will be a, a Gelsinger visit at uh, some point in the future. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think what's what's kind of going on is is VMware is is uh, clamping down on the hybrid model, right? They're like, well, look, you know, VMware on clouds doesn't make a lot of sense, but if you're bringing your public clouds into your data centers, we want to be the place that it happens. And, and what's interesting about the Azure, the Azure thing is like. Doesn't Azure, Microsoft have competing products? You know, I mean, they're, they're showing up and saying, hey, you can run these Azure services on top of VMware. Why not just run them on Windows and Hyper-V and that kind of stack? But, uh, you know, uh, VMware is getting in uh, as, as kind of the, uh, the arms dealer for all the on-prem cloud stuff. And, you know, uh, they had some stuff with Google. Google, you know, talked to Nutanix a bit. I think that was what happened at the last one. But, you know, I'm sure... Sure, the big three will all have you know their their VMware play. Um, they all have their pivotal plays, and uh, you know you, you kind of play you play the field. So Matt, let me just read you know what in the official announcement here. It says the newly announced Azure VMware solution provides a common operating framework for running, managing, and securing applications across VMware and Azure. Customers can use VMware vSphere vS. SAN, NSX, and vCenter as part of the arrangement. The goal of Azure VMware solutions is 
to enable users to en- extend and redeploy VM workloads natively on Azure. So my question is like, what does that actually mean? It feels like they listed a lot of the product <laughs> catalog there. Um, and like, that feels like a lot of on-premise stuff. So I'm just still a little confused. It's like, what, what has actually changed here? What am I yeah, doing? Are, are they coming down from the cloud or coming up from the data center, right? Because that's, that's how you kind of think about it. And, and obviously VMware wants them to keep their data center tools as they go into the cloud, right? And so they're like, oh yeah, clearly you need NSX and you know uh, whatever else you know that, that they have uh, to, to sell you. You're gonna clearly keep using that in the public cloud. And then you're like, wait, why do I still need vSAN, right? I thought that was just like block service or, you know, uh, object service. And so it's, that's you know, the part of this. Kind of, it really is confusing. Cause I think even in this like little quote here, right. I read from Argo, it's like that. I think the key phrase is can use, I, I feel like every cloud vendor would say, well, you know, I mean, once you're in the cloud, like, you right. know, once, once you're there, we ought to just, we got it. Like we got all, yeah. we got all kinds of uh, web portals for you. And, you need, yeah. Right? So that is, I don't know that part of it, I guess. Uh, and I, I you know, this is what I always wonder around, VMware is is VMware as big and as successful as it is? Like, is it a business? I guess Dell being the primary owner, like, are they really just going to harvest the revenue from it? Because one way to think about it is, hey, if you're VMware, like you, they kind of had their shot at the public cloud, didn't work out, right? They vacated that business. Can't remember what it was called, vCloud Air or something, right? Back yeah, in the day, yeah. and then. Now they've partnered with all of the companies and they all have some story about how they can help get your VMware VMs into the cloud. But in the, in the near term, that makes total sense, right? That's sure. sort of like, what else can you do? Like, this is where people mm-hmm. are going. Let's make sure people still pay us. But it seems like after four or five years that all these cloud vendors, right. either these things will naturally rotate out of production and people will just go onto the, the cloud cho- uh, vendor of choice, or uh, it'll just be end of life. So, like, what is the? I don't know. I just wonder. Like, is it a? Is there a long term VMware play here, or is it just like <laughs> it's just a main? And that's not even a bad way. Is it just a maintenance business that needs to be harvested at this point? Like, what is the the ten year strategy yeah. of VMware look like? Uh, ten year might, yeah. I mean, so ten years might be too far out for them. And uh, but I think this is the best strategy you can make today, right? You know, you you don't know. Through VMware, you're like clearly you have a very data center intensive business, and data center is not the growth area for for IT. You know, it's all it's all going the public cloud. So what? So you might as well just you know embrace the public cloud because uh, well you can squeeze you know three five more years out of the customers you have, um, get them onto you know vSAN on the public cloud and you know charge them double the, the price of you know just using the, the cloud resource directly. Um, and that model will keep them, keep the stock price up, keep the, you know, the revenue coming in as they keep thinking of their pivot, right? Uh, NSX, NSX helped them out a lot, but it's not a full replacement for, you know, VMware and the data center. Um, and so I'm sure they're, you know, they're looking at what can they do around Cloud Foundry? What can they do around, they bought, you know, some application monitoring stuff. You know, they'll they'll you know keep expanding and contracting. Their Spent portfolio. a lot of money on that company with containers, right? Can't, I just totally forgot it. Blinked on the name. They, this all, all those guys <laughs> got paid. So yeah, yeah. So so I think I think you know they you you extend your you, the game. You know you mm-hmm. you you know you don't know what you're gonna do in the data center other than like well let's keep relevant as they as they slowly leave the data center. Let's stay as relevant as we can. Keep milking that product set as we look for new ways of, of revenue. And, and you know, every enterprise software company is doing that. You know, you you have to keep cannibalizing your old product as you move forward. I mean, that's right. the whole. Uh, so I wonder. I just like you know, as I think about it, I, I want to draw like this parallel from like VMware in the Facebook newsfeed, right? Because there's a lot of news about <laughs> Facebook. So here's here's my thing, right? So. Facebook has, I don't know, and Apple, they both are in the same position where like they are reaching market saturation, right? Like, so in case of like, they each have like billions of users, but yep. pretty much everyone that wants a Facebook account is going to get one. Except Matt Ray, he doesn't want one. And then uh, same thing, like, 
And then and uh, I'm same, on Instagram now. Yeah, you're on Instagram. And then uh, they're going to get you one way or the other. And then same thing with Apple. Like at some point, everybody that's got uh, an iPhone has it. And so you got to like you got to do something different. And so, but the the thing that both those companies have right is this incredibly big install base, right? So it's like you know what can I go back to the install base and give them? In case of Apple, right, they give us Apple Music today, and they want to give us videos in the future. And if you read any of the Facebook stuff, they're coming out with a whole new set of like privacy directed uh kind of um applications right a new version of messenger and things like that so what i and the reason i'm gonna bring this back to vmware is like i think vmware represents like this golden um kind of uh i was about to say goose but almost like this golden container of like all the customers like everybody that's an enterprise has vmware right 499 and the money (laughs) As we, I think, you know, you and I both know the true money today is still infrastructure as a service. Getting as many service servers migrated to your cloud is the number one goal, I think, of all the major cloud vendors, right? Because once you get them in there, that becomes your, if you will, that's your newsfeed. We got all these customers and once they're in there, we can sell them more stuff and they're going to stay with us for a long time. So this is my, I guess my grand theory here then is. At some point, VMware, it's probably too expensive today, or maybe the way it's corporately owned, it's a little bit complicated. But maybe as, it, as this migration happens, I almost wondered if one of the cloud vendors, it doesn't make sense for them to step in and try to buy them, right? And just make, you know, as Microsoft does yeah. pretty, pretty good with their install base, they just, I mean, they just tell you, right? This is the world you and I, Matt, I think we spend some time in. It's like, they'll just tell you, hey, you put that 2008 server over here. You're done. You know what? I'll, su- I'll support it yeah. for you. And that's a great way yeah. to get an install base up there. And that maybe that VMware is sort of split between these three cloud, cloud providers today. Maybe if one cloud provider steps in and buys them, right, that, that gives them a good yeah, edge. spoils the party for everybody, right? And, yeah. And, and, and really the only company that makes sense is, is Google, right? Because Amazon doesn't buy things. Maybe this is, they break the mold and, the, and they buy, you know, they buy uh, VMware. But, you know, can you imagine – Google with you know their their Oracle their injection of Oracle DNA and you know now they got the data centers. Uh, yeah, I think it yeah. makes sense. But uh, you know, I just noticed uh, Diane Green. Not only you know she stepped down as the Google Cloud CEO uh, a few months ago, but I guess she just stepped down from, or she will officially step down in June from the Google board. So uh, I don't know. Like I, you know, it's always hard to read. It, it seemed like it would have happened sooner. Yeah, like it does seem like that was the natural time. Like her play could have been. Hey, I'm just, you know, you, you kind of made a joke of it before, but I think it's kind of true. It was like, hey, why don't we just bring VMware? Like, not only does that legitimize us, but you could say, I mean, that vaults them like right into the second <laughs> spot, right? Well, like we and, have all the customers yeah. that, and, and then you made it difficult for the other cloud providers. You said, no, we're not going to do these joint announcements. Like you want, you keep, you want to use your VMware tools or your VMware, VM supported, you got to use Google Cloud. I mean, that would be a pretty powerful uh, yeah, go to market. But- but then you got to worry about Google into life in VMware. <laughs> <laughs> Would someone write the post like the, the, the uh, like the Waze post like, today? Yeah, yeah. Waze today, VMware tomorrow. Who can yeah. I trust? <laughs> well, you're hitting on like the true. Uh, it's always the question with Google. It's just how committed they are to to anything beyond search. Because even this week, I guess they didn't do so well um, in their earnings. I guess everyone was down on them. And it's like it's so funny when they don't do well. It's just like. I guess it just means the world's not searching as much because, like, they yeah. are a hundred percent of search for all intents and purposes. It's not like, oh man, everyone moved to Bing. It's just like, I guess, I guess people just weren't clicking on the ads. Like, <laughs> yeah, people got tired of searching. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. It's like, what is the answer, right? Like, why? Like, how could it go down? You're like, I don't know. So everyone, everyone I see is still googling. Everyone bookmarked everything. <laughs> Their yeah. biggest competition is bookmarks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, delicious will rise again. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's I, – I don't know. The Google is clearly um, committed to public cloud at this point. I don't think they're really – Yeah, no, uh, they're in it. They're in it forever. Of, I mean, I think yeah. – uh, I think, but I think that's the question. I think does that's and – and I don't know. Maybe Dell – you know, Dell obviously has uh, – you know, I don't know the the corporate structure there, right? Makes it difficult. So I don't know, but maybe at some point, like someone else said this, um, but they just said, you know, Dell did take all that debt, right? They took all that debt to like buy themselves or whatever. It's complicated, but like, so maybe at some point, right? They they say to themselves, like, yeah, it makes more sense for us to sell off VMware and you know pay down all this debt, and then one of these, and I guess it really just would be Google or AWS. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess you know. 
uh, I, I guess IBM and Oracle are possible, but it, it seems like, wow, it's a, it's a big <laughs> no, number. No, no. It's a big the, number the to take horse, down. The, yeah, the dark horse would be like, you know, Tencent or Baidu showing up and being like, we'll take VMware. And then wow. the, you know, the USFTC just blowing their, blowing yeah. their tops as they're like, wait, Chinese company owning, you know, product that is in, you know, 500% or 100% of the Fortune 500. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't think know, that's going they, down. They, they drew the line on Huawei. So it's like, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Well, listen, I think we've, we're the first to predict VMware getting bought. You know, I'm sure no one has ever thought about that ever <laughs> before. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. No, we're the first to predict Google into life in ESX. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would just be, that would be so funny though. It's just like, yeah, guys, we're just done with it. And it's like, and, and also no phone number. Kubernetes by now. What's the, the, problem? the whole Google thing would just be like, cause like everything with Google, it's just like, well, just, you just got to go to this webpage. You'd go read this webpage and there's no one to call, right? It's like, it's like, when, if, if, it's like when you lock your Google account and your Gmail, you can never get it back. You're like, sorry, it's, there's no one to talk to here. We have no yeah. one that speaks to you. So, all right. Yeah. I like it. Nothing but AI and machine learning over here. Right. Not enough people doing what you're doing. <laughs> That's right. It's just machine learning. All right. Well, some other news this week. The other thing we should talk about is, uh, you know, there's always news in the world of Kubernetes. Not a week yeah. goes by that just not another project out there. All right, Matt. So let's 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 review the latest one. I don't even know how to say it correctly. Quarkus? Is that how you say it? Sure. All right, yeah. Quarkus. So what is it? Why do we care? Uh, so, so Red Hat announced uh, they have a, a project that's uh, kind of kind of like native compilation of your Java straight to Kubernetes, um, where you know if you look at Kubernetes, you, you can say, well, it's got to be Linux. So why do we need you know the the write once run anywhere approach of jars and wars and stuff if we can get to a, a lower level of uh, bytecode? And so uh, that's what Quarkus. I mean, in, in a very oversimplified nutshell, is compilation of your Java down into a Kubernetes or a Linux on Kubernetes framework. And, uh, you know, if you start reading through the articles, you can get into the sorted history of, you know, the internals of the JVM and, you know, things like uh, GCJ and, you know, the long history of the promise of, you know, faster Java. You know, Java's already actually pretty fast, but this will give you... Uh, less resource usage, which, you know, if you're in the container space, you love that. And, and Java's not going anywhere. So uh, I think between this announcement, Red Hat's future as an IBM product uh, or IBM subsidiary, uh, it's probably got a bright future. Yeah, yeah it's definitely here. Well, this tells me that some people from Sun made it to Red Hat. This is what this does. <laughs> this is like this most Sun announcement of like, you're like, I don't know, this native, because go back in time. I feel like we've seen these announcements like every four or five years, someone's like, hey, we're going to natively compile Java. And it's like, I'm pretty sure that's been tried before and nobody really wanted it. Because every native compiler, it's always like, it works 99% of the time. But there's yeah. this one use case where if you try to do this and, and the operating system doesn't support this and it doesn't work. And, every, and, then, and then it doesn't work most of the time. And then it was right. like, hey, the, half the reason I was doing this is I don't have to mess with that. So, I mean... It is a fun engineering project, which I and listen. I've compiled my. I've tried them all at different times. Back when, back in my day, way back when I was actually making yeah, yeah. my money programming, it's like sure, like why not? Like it was always fun to like get a new compiler, check it out, let's see what it, yep. how it's it runs. Um, but it never, it was never like no one in management, no one was ever like, you know what, guys, you know what our number one priority next year is. We got to compile this job into native code. No, like that is never. No product manager has ever written that in the backlog and be like, guys, we have got to get this shit done asap. Uh, so yeah. I, I just I don't know. Other than it being interesting, and then the whole idea that it's then compiling to Kubernetes is just like, uh, like okay, like I think it's pretty fast. Like I don't know. Like as anyway, this is back to like I don't think has anyone really encountered this problem yet. Everyone's been like, the problem is this Java code is just not native and it's really limiting me in, in building the next uh, Lyft, Uber, or other web startup. Well, you know, when you start thinking about the sorts of services that are running at scale um, that might take advantage of this, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of really large Java applications out there running on, you know, thousands of, of systems. So there's probably... Yeah, there, there there probably are enterprises who are like, you know, if we optimize this Java stack across this load, it's going to, you know, because our, our application runs on ten thousand machine, you know, ten thousand containers, it's gonna knock thirty percent off our AWS budget, All right. right? And then you're like, oh crap, that's real money. 
right? So, okay, so let's I, just review. This is the use case. You have to yeah, be yeah. an existing Java application yeah. that's running at a very large scale. Elasticsearch, sure. Last scale, and you <laughs> Wait, then uh, then yeah. you have to uh, be then you have to be able this, the compi- then it has to be container. Or it has to be ported to containers, whatever this job application is, right? It has to be ported to containers. Or you're doing that work, and by running uh, by natively compiling and doing all the work, you get a significant performance gain. So if you, of all of those things are true, you, you're you're in. This is this project is for you. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Think so. All right. Somebody in the I want someone in the software defined talk Slack to like let me know when they like, us out. when they no just like someone that's actually done it. Someone's like, yeah, this is really what we needed because everything else. Like if you started a new project and you were like, hey man, performance is the most important thing. You, I guess you use Go, right? Go would be like the go to language now, or, or yeah. what, or whatever. There's a, well, or C it, or C plus plus. Going yeah. for right. You know, is is it is it a systems level thing? Is it's it true. A but, just, but there are languages today that are like that don't have the vir- virtual machine in between, right? There's no JVM. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to get rid of that, there's plenty of languages to do that. Um, so if you're starting today, you just be like, hey, I'm not going to do Java. Um, so that's that's the part I want. I want someone to tell me about I, it. I don't know. I mean, Java is still you know it's still like a, a oh, really it's not good going anywhere. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. So I, I want some, and maybe there is. Maybe I like. Hey, that would be great if someone told us, like, hey, there actually is this huge application, and we're all going to save millions of dollars. And you know what would be better if after doing that, there's enough money left over to give us all uh, fiber to the home. That would be fantastic. <laughs> like, I'm well, all but, in. If see, this, see, the synergy though, though, is Red Hat and IBM. It's like JBoss and WebSphere. Well, I'll tell you this. Right. We know whatever it is. These guys at Red Hat don't know it yet, but you know what they're going to have to do? They're going to have to make that run on the mainframe. They're going to have to get some old school, <laughs> old school uh, uh, native yeah. compiling going on there. That, there's going to be some, some you know, Kubernetes on the ZOS, and they're going to show up. And yeah, it's going to be great. Gonna be it's going to be a great demo at IBM Think. You Wrong. know that exists at IBM. Oh, I, I am 100% sure. There is somebody right now who's like, yep, I'm getting this Quarkus thing going right now on the main Quirkus, frame. Uh, on the S390? Yeah, yeah that's there probably thing. is. They probably even have like a little Z logo around the Q. It's it's going it's to be awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. I'm all in on it. Um, well, the other thing that's in this that I don't even know. I don't even know if we should talk about it. K3OS, it's a Kubernetes oh, yeah. operating system. So what Everybody is this? As I understand, it's a Linux distro from our friends from yep. Rancher. Is that what's going yeah. on there? Absolutely. All right. You know the question. I don't even have to say it. Like, why do we care, Matt? Like, what is this? Why do we care? Be- because you miss CoreOS. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's pretty much the target market, right? Is K3, K3S three k is the, the reduced footprint Kubernetes from Rancher, uh, where they're targeting like edge computing use cases. They mm-hmm. got, you know, hey, Kubernetes has a lot of things you could be running, but if you want just the minimal set, that's what Rancher's kind of focusing on, and, and they're bringing in like ARM support uh, and maybe even 32-bit support for x86, but you know, a, a smaller footprint Kubernetes to run on less hardware, less services, sure, whatever. Um, so you've got that going, and then you're like, well, what OS is it going to run on? Um, you know, is it going to run on CentOS or, or you know Ubuntu? Well, they're like, hey, why don't we put out a, a Linux distribution? I, I mean, I, I read this thing like two weeks ago, so if I go and read it <laughs> now, I, I'm, I'm just going to say off the top of my head, I bet it's got live updates and you subscribe to a channel for, for <laughs> upgrades, you know, just like you did with CoreOS. Yep. And that's a really popular use case if you have, you know, a drop-dead simple OS that runs a single application, right? Yeah. And, and that's what CoreOS was. And, you know, it lived on their I, th- I think it got picked up uh, – what is it called like flat car Linux? I think is the the fork. Uh, but you know, CoreOS is mostly dead. Uh, you know, the pieces moved into RHEL and 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 you know, Fedora and stuff. But uh, now it's it's time for for Rancher to pick up the the baton of of having a single purpose you know Linux OS for running uh, their their version of Kubernetes. So that that's that's my take on it. 
Uh, I don't I like think it. I, I like it. It's like that's the theme of the week. Everything's getting smaller and faster. Hey, you don't have to have this this bloated JVM anymore. You don't have yeah. to have this bloated operating system. Next yeah. week, someone's yeah. going to like I don't know. They're just going to take out another level, right? There's going to be like Our ranchers. We got to put uh, Quarkus engineers working on ARM support. Just put awesome. it in the firmware next. It's just be like guys. I just I just put it. In, it's all in there now. It's all just we get a unit kernel. Yeah, <laughs> it's all just the unit kernel. So, all right. Well, that's exciting. Uh, I think you know. Exciting for someone. Someone out there is excited about it. You know, I'm not going to claim I'm excited about it. Um, well, the other thing that this is in the category of like uh, it wasn't. It wasn't actually already this case, but the Apache Sound <laughs> Software Foundation joins the the GitHub open source community. So, like, I, I honestly didn't even know. I was like, wasn't this always the way it was? But like, right. right. But as I understand it, they they were what were they doing? They were running their own Git. They were like, running their own Git. Yeah, that well, seems insane. If I I didn't even know that this was happening, and I think it's insane. Yeah, this this just in. You can use Git places besides GitHub. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Apache was hosting their projects uh, on their own infrastructure, and uh, you know, there's the the number of places that you go to get your Git projects is uh, now reduced by one. Uh, you know, you don't have a Google code anymore. You don't have uh, uh, Apache uh, hosting their stuff. You know, um, I, it's, I mean, it just is. I want to go is. back and be like, what, my only question is like, like what took why everyone so, so long? long? Like why, and why is this newsworthy? I was, I, I guess I, I'm making it newsworthy by reading it, but I just thought it was funny <laughs> when I saw it, I was just like, what this doesn't already like i i thought for sure this well, already happened yeah and, and 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 chances are you know that that a lot of the apache projects probably had a sync you know where it was on github too mm-hmm. right because i mean it's it's distributed version control you don't have to actually go to one source you can have multiple sources and if you just yeah. sort of mirror it over there i bet i don't know but I, I would bet that some of the stuff was already being mirrored up there and now you know, now they're 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 I guess throwing in the towel and running their own infrastructure. Uh, it's because Microsoft just loves open source so much. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was just like to me, guys. G- welcome to the club, guys. You know, I yeah. I've got stuff on GitHub. Everyone has stuff on GitHub. So I'm glad I'm glad they decided to move over. You know, welcome. Um, well, hey, last week, Matt, you know, Kote and I had a, a very thorough, in depth discussion of Jenkins, and I I told <laughs> I said something to the effect of like. Uh, Jenkins is wildly uh, successful because everywhere I go, like Nagios, everybody has it. Like yes. no matter where you are, you've got some Nagios and you've got some Jenkins, as I talked about last yeah. week. But someone else yeah. took the other take, right? This week, the other take was like Jenkins is getting old. And I was like, well, that just means it's successful. Uh, but well, I know you, you're, true, you're on the you're on the ground there. You've been playing with Jenkins this week. So is it getting yeah. old and it needs to go away, or is it like Nagios? It will be with us forever. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes to both. Like, I think the best thing that could happen for Jenkins at this point is if someone were to scrub the internet of the last 10 years of Jenkins content, right? Because, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Hear me out. Like, yeah. I've, been, I've been trying to set up, uh, like, I, I've got a home lab of, you know, a couple boxes, and I wanted my home lab to look more like uh, my enterprise customers that I'm working with. So I was like, I'm going to set up Jenkins and start pushing all my home infrastructure through CI/CD. And I've been using Travis, but you know that's that's a little different. I actually wanted to like have Jenkins, you know, ch- chugging away on any time I commit code, and like Jenkins feels aggressively anti-automation. Well, you know, and, and there's just like all these things that I keep running into. I'm like, seriously, like this is 2019. How is this still a thing? And then I go and I Google for it and I pull up articles from 2012 and it's like, this clearly isn't relevant anymore. Can you, you know, can you please clean off the internet? Cause I, Jenkins is hard to, it's hard to know what's, what's the valid current state because there's so much old stuff. I feel like this may be like a stack overflow problem here or something where it's like, there's like, it's like, you're just a victim of your success. Like there's so many answers in stack overflow. You're like, uh, I'm pretty sure some of this is wrong. Like we need, like we need to, we need someone to actually delete an article, not add an article. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You need someone to just start marking things as like, you know, a big warning banner that shows up as like, this Stack Overflow article is more than two years old. Not valid anymore, right? <laughs> uh, which would be true for some stuff. And, you know, it's like just I I was using Jenkins. Uh, you know, there's a, a chef cookbook for it, and I was using it. And 
I started digging into the code, like we're using completely deprecated modes of interaction with Jacobs. This, this just, you know, and I was like, do I just burn this thing to the ground or what do you do? You know, write your own. <laughs> you know what they need? A Jenkins native compiler. Uh, <laughs> just to, to make it run faster. Well, what, no, yeah. we should educate people. You're in this world all the time. What should people be doing? If they're not going to use Jenkins, uh, and like oh, I don't know, right? Yeah, so, exactly. So, you see, that's why everybody has it. You just answered yeah, your own yeah. question. Yeah, no, I know. I, I so so I was like, well, uh, I, I'm I'm gonna go look at something else, and then I started reading. I was like, oh, this looks like exactly what I want, and then in the back of my head, I'm like, none of your customers use that. Yeah, and so it's this total chicken and egg thing. It's like, oh, you know, I would love to grab the latest hotness, you know. Uh, Maybe one of the hosted uh, CI/CD products. You know, one of the, there's even tons of free choices, right? And you know, free hosted choices. Um, I could even build it on, on top of uh, GitHub. But it's like, but I actually the reason I chose Jenkins was because it's what my customers are using, and I want to feel their pain. And yeah, I'm, you know, I'm burning off my hands feeling their pain. Well, um, I think I think we should like mention Cloud Bees, right? Like they, I feel like they have some answer, right? That they, I'm uh, sure they do. I was like, I need to go over there. There was like a long bo- blog post I read it once, but I forgot it. It was like it was kind of like what you were saying before, guys. It's time to make a change, and we're and they had some long thing. So I think they are probably addressing it. So start there. That would be my advice. Yeah. Go read the Cloud yeah. Bees website and figure out what's going on there. I don't, I don't know. I have, and then you know what? Come back and tell me. Tell me what I need to know, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. I mean, my problem was, it's like, oh, I'll just use, you know, some existing stuff. And then it's like, oh, the existing stuff is based off the old stuff. And the old stuff is no longer relevant. And every time you Google for the bugs you find, you find stuff that's even older. I'm like, ah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm going to leave so, it on this. This guy says Jenkins is getting old. I'm going to once again say congratulations, Jenkins. You're going to be with us for a long time, <laughs> just like just like a lot of software that I'm running. Hey, Emacs is still running. People love it. 20 year exactly see it hurts when i touch when i when i touch something you like you're like oh wait a minute this is getting serious so there's people out there that love nagios i know them i've seen them i've been in i've been in their sites they're like they're like i like it just give me a little graphite nagios that's all i need it's like all right guys i can't help you i gotta go now i gotta leave uh, i think uh preempt one of my picks Somebody's rewriting Emacs and Rust. Oh my God! I don't. Okay, hold on. We'll get to that in a minute. All right, we're we're close to. All right. Well, the last thing I want to know the biggest news of the week, you know, because because we're uh, we're everything here. Red Hat has officially uh, unveiled their new logo. It was fantastic, and they and of course, like with all logos, I like to say the following: It doesn't really matter. It's going to be fine. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, don't worry. You'll get used to it. But overall, I will say on this one, you know, I think we reviewed the Slack logo. That that thing uh, again, Slack is going to do well. They're going to go public and make millions of dollars. But that logo was a disaster. Uh, I think this Red Hat thing was like they didn't really take a lot of chances. I think they kept it very safe. It's a very safe move. Uh, it's still the core hat. It, it just, in fact, to me, it looks a little bit more corporate friendly. And also, you can tell they hired some professional graphic artists who got the word. It's like hey, we're going to have to use this logo on a lot of places, a lot of different backgrounds. So they're really just red hat, black band, none of that like, you know, silhouette kind of thing happening with the old whatever the, the shadow hat, man. The shadow yeah. man because you know somebody like in graphics was like, how are we going to print this? There's no way we can print this. There's too many blacks in here, right? So that's why they did have probably just one red, one black. The only thing I wish they had done in the rollout cuz the rollout was very nice is on April Fools if they had made the thing like a blue top hat and you know kind of like for like an with IBM yeah with like a monocle <laughs> a blue top hat and said like hey as red hat gets ready to like go into the IBM thing they had like the blue hat like we thought we'd update that would have been hysterically funny and people would have freaked out like the internet would have yeah. the, the little geek side of the internet that we that we'd like to be on would have just destroyed itself so i think it was yeah. a great april fools prank missed uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure, like everyone, I'm sure, like IBM was ready to do that, but someone killed it, right? What What you need to have is some, like some some graphics person put like uh, like an analysis of the color of the red, and, <laughs> and like every quarter it shifts like one Pantone gray. Oh, that would be fantastic! Blue. Yes, and then like ten years, you're like, I thought it was red. Hat. That's that's clearly purple. 
right? Yeah. Oh, that would be fantastic. Well, that was the other thing I wish they had done. I wish they had uh, like maybe done like some kind of Easter egg, like some kind of like maybe like a tiny little bit of blue, a blue like hue to your point. Maybe the band, right? Like like a, a little tiny pin in there because it would have just been sort of like foreshadowing. It's like as Red Hat prepares for the next journey, it it takes on just a little bit of the blueness, but uh, they didn't do that. So but uh, maybe I, maybe a halo of dollar bills. Oh, that that would have been. I like that making it rain. Oh, that would be fantastic. All right. So so, well, I, I don't know. I keep reading that it, the acquisition of Red Hat is going to close soon, but I don't really know what that means. I don't know what everyone's working on, but I'm sure there's lots of PowerPoints involved. Uh, mm. So what do we think? What's, what's our take? Uh, what, what's your early prediction on the, on the actual? Because I think the only thing we have heard more than I, I think we thought of, like some people have at least questioned staying with Red Hat as their Linux, right? I think you said you've had a couple of people talk about that and it's come up in the Slack a couple of times. So like... I think that's something to watch. Like our companies actually freaked out by IBM owning Red Hat. I, at first, I think I said absolutely not, but now I'm more like, hey, there could be some backlash here. What do you think? Uh, I think everyone's switching to K3OS. <laughs> that's what's going to happen? All right. That's great. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I only have my, my single customer who switched over, but they switched 60,000 machines over. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a big footprint of, but it was also with CentOS, right? So yeah, um, I don't think they were, they were paying, uh, Red Hat a lot. Um, so I, I think there will be, uh, there will probably be small backlashes. Um, I, for some reason, I, I don't see Ubuntu grabbing or Canonical, you know, grabbing a lot of revenue out of, uh, <laughs> out of it, uh, one way or another, but, uh, prove me wrong. All right. Well, the, I think the other thing that everyone needs to look at, like, listen, this is the, this is the 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 true integration that's happening. Our friends at PodCTL, guess what? They got a new logo. Guess what the background uh-huh. color is? Blue. It's a light blue. It's a light blue. But it is. It's a, it's not as much red. It's a light blue with, a, with only a red outline. So to me, mm. that was the first step in the integration. PodCTL. <laughs> PodCTL. Going to the blue. So. You gotta gotta brand the peripheral podcast. That's right. We'll see. We'll see what Brian. And uh, and team over there are doing so. All right, all right. Listen, had a lot of good stuff to talk about this week. Um, a couple quick things here. I want to quickly tell you that uh, Kote is traveling the world, and he wants you to know that he's going to uh, be at a Spring One tour somewhere close to you. So if you check the show notes, uh, you can definitely find him. It sounds like he'll be in Paris, May twenty third. And 24th, that seems like a good one to go to. Uh, and then he's going to be in Atlanta. It's going to be hot. June 13th, 14th, skip that one. Go to the Paris one. That's my, <laughs> that's my advice yeah, for you. it could be hot in Paris too. Yeah, yeah it could be, but it's going to be more fun. Uh, Atlanta, okay. I don't know. It's not that fun. Matt, well, you got some stuff coming up. Where are you going to be, Matt? Uh, I'm, I'm headed to ChefConf. So um, Seattle Friends, I will be there on the 20th of this month. So uh, – I'll be there. And then uh, after that, you know, back to Singapore. Uh, so I don't really have any other public events uh, coming up, but uh, still doing a lot of traveling. Right. Well, good. Good, Matt. Well, Matt, did you know that you can join us in the Slack? And you can do that by going to softwaredefinedtalk.com. And there you'll find a little place that you just click on the Slack, put in your information. Thanks to no SSHJJ, you'll get an invite. And you can join us. It's always a good place to be. Uh, and if you want a sticker, we've got plenty of stickers left. Just email your postal address at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will send you a sticker. And we can send those anywhere in the world. Of course, we're available on everything. We're on the Twitter. We're on the Instagram. Even Matt is on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. And if you look hard enough, we're, we're on Facebook too, even though no one really wants to talk about it. But we're there. So you should, you should check it out. And I'm going to um, – I'm going to do a listener recommendation. This comes from Jordy. Jordy says this week he put a link into uh, the Python Humble Bundle. So Humble Bundles, it's like they give you like all the books for like $15. There's like three levels. There's like a $2 level, an $8 level, $15 levels. But if you want to learn Python, uh, it looks like you can get like something like uh, 15 books for $15. So that seems like a pretty good deal. And it's like all the O'Reilly ones. It's got like, you know, animals. Lots of animal covers. So I, I thought it was good. So we thank Jordy for sending uh, sending that. And then, Matt, you, you foreshadowed it, but, like, what is your official recommendation this week? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I'm just recommending that people check out uh, our Emacs, which is the uh, Rust port of Emacs. I, I'm not actually using it yet, so I, I can't uh, 
I can't uh, tell you too much about it, but I'm just fascinated by the idea of, of rewriting all of the existing tool chains in, in new languages. Um, I've got a couple of a uh, couple of like different CLI tools, like replacements for CAT and LS, that have been done in, in Go, and um, you know other ones that are rewritten in, in, in Rust. And you know, I think it's just a chance to clean up the code bases, and I, I encourage people to uh, explore. Explore the space. That's the whole point of open source. So uh, someday I will start using our Emacs because apparently it's a lot faster. And uh, Emacs, it's uh, it's not fast. <laughs> I mean, it's fast, but it's weird. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's one of my choices. Uh, but my uh, my original uh, selection for this week was a podcast. Um, I'm a big fan of two two different podcasts. Uh, the Reply All podcast. And the ninety nine percent invisible. <laughs> yeah. They had a they had a crossover episode, and uh, it was amazing. Uh, so it's called the the Roman Mars Mazda virus. Uh, did you hear this one? I did. It's um, very good. Yeah, recommend it, 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 uh, so so you need to listen to it in both feeds because the reply on one. Uh, essentially, what was happening was the ninety nine percent invisible podcast was breaking the Bluetooth uh, podcast player. On the Mazda stereos, and, Car and stereos, you're like, yep. uh-huh. yes, yeah, and you're like, well, why? And like, is it because they've got 99% in the name? It's like, well, yeah, that was my first thought, and then it goes down into the weeds of like, you know, just bizarre edge case bugs, and and so the uh, the Reply All guys actually made a whole series of fake podcasts <laughs> to test different theories. And they actually went and recorded the podcast. And then on the, the, the 99% Invisible, they played the podcast, too. So you can go and download, like, they've got one that's... Uh, From Sarah Koenig uh, of Serial. They have, like, big yeah, names. They, Some big yeah, names yeah, actually make the, the fake podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the cooking one was the, the worst or the best, uh, in my opinion. They, they had one that was... Uh, less than, greater than, or approximately, and because they wanted to put some weird characters in the podcast title, and they got the 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 chef who did uh, the salt, uh, heat salt vinegar, whatever yeah, that book. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and so she actually spends like an inordinate amount of um, inordinate amount of time trying to teach these knuckleheads how to cook without using actual measurements, and it's just oh, it's such wasted talent, but it's it's hilarious at a. At a uh, Meta level. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic thing. And uh, we won't ruin the ending, but we'll just say yeah. if you have a Mazda and you're encountering this problem, <laughs> they have a uh, they have a solution for you at the end. So yes. we will, yeah. we've got to listen to it all the way hey. to the end to figure out what that solution is. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. That whole podcast, I mean, it's somehow become like just tech support, but it's really good. I don't know. It's just yeah. they, they, they've figured oh, out fine. some um, some weird hole in the podcast universe that everyone likes to listen to. So. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know, just, I guess we'll put this in the same category of just like random things that are like just interesting to watch. It's like, so this guy on Jeopardy is just dominating Jeopardy. He's now won, I guess, 20 times in a row. And he is, uh, it's like a, a machine has like discovered the greatest algorithm to play Jeopardy. He, he does it by like only, um, starting with the most expensive clues first and finding the double Jeopardy and the daily doubles. And he's winning like 80 or a hundred thousand dollars, uh, per episode. And so I don't watch a lot of Jeopardy. I, I think it's a fine program. I'm just not on my, uh, my horizon much. But like, I how do you recommend watching uh, him play Jeopardy? Because it's just it's just interesting to watch people do things that like the greatest people in the world do something like like watching basketball or playing sports or whatever it is yeah. music. It's just like wow, this is the greatest Jeopardy player <laughs> ever. And yeah. I I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to see him take on Watson because. Uh, I guess IBM Watson or whatever, any computer AI, because I guess at this point, you know, it's not like both people know all the answers. They basically are like 99% of the time they know the answer. So it's really just how fast can you signal in and do it? But uh, it's, yeah. it's incredible. And the guy is, I guess, uh, I think he's relatively young, mid thirties. And he's uh, before this, he was a sports gambler. So he's basically built a bunch of like <laughs> mathematical models to like make a lot oh, of money. No. But yeah. So just watch one episode. Like if you're around, like especially if you can TiVo it, record it, you know, watch it in 22 minutes and you're just like, wow. I'm, I just, it is like you have to say to yourself, wow, like I'm a human being, he's a human being too, but like I don't have any of these skills. Like I can't recall, yeah. like the things he can recall and the, how quickly he can recall it is just, I don't even, is it a skill? Is it just a it, phenomenon? You know, it, it's just crazy. It reminds me of uh, 
so I, I don't actually watch that much NBA, but I, I kind of still follow along uh, with the news and, and uh, the, the post uh, the post game uh, interview after the last Clippers Warriors game where they were talking to the Clippers guys who, you know, the Clippers. Uh, so, so those of you who don't know, uh, the, the Warriors have like a super team and they've got one of the best players and Kevin Durant and he had a bad game. And, and, you know, the Clippers came back from like 30 points down and they won and it was a big upset. And then they won another game in the series. They were expected to just lose 4-0. But then in the last game, Durant, like he scored, what, 50 at the half? Yeah. Uh, just a ridiculous amount. And then afterwards, the Clippers guys were like, we tried, man. That guy's insane. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, you have to have to watch this because it's just like watching, you know, two basketball professionals. You know, they're, they're, they're paid millions of dollars and they're like, that guy over there, fuck. <laughs> the yeah, no, it is. And I think it is. There's always something in life. Like, if you can see the best at anything, go check it out. Music, yeah. art, Jeopardy. So that's your, that's your recommendation <laughs> this week. All right. Well, as always, we have extensive show notes. We didn't talk about everything. So uh, there's lots of fun stuff in there. I guess Alexa, not only is it listening to you, but I guess the Amazon employees are listening to you, and they can also find your address. So, so oh, some, no. some stuff there. Uh, there's a great – this was, uh, you know, as I like to watch the keynotes on video, someone has actually gone a step further for me. They, uh, the Facebook uh, F8 keynote, they did a super mm-hmm. cut. It's in 12 minutes on YouTube, so you can watch all the announcements. And then you know what you could do? Double speed it. So you can get everything in six minutes. And I was like, this, these are my people. These are my people. It's like, and it was like, I did. I watched it and I felt like I got most of it. Like, I know what's up. I know what's happening. I I know messengers getting smaller and they're they're all about privacy. So, all right, next. They're they're natively compiling their job. (laughs) I love it. But you can find all these things at uh, softwaredefinedtalk.com. And this is episode 177. So software defined talk.com slash 177 so read all the show notes join the slack and uh you know we always love to hear from you and with that we will talk to you next time bye-bye